Generally Speaking About the Church, podcast episode number 64. And welcome back to another episode of About the Church. My name is Cliff Ravenscraft. Today we're recording a very special episode of About the Church. I'm going to tell you all about it in just one moment. All right, everybody, thank you for tuning in and subscribing to the About the Church podcast. Today, DG is not here. In fact, it is 4.46 a.m. in the morning, and I am in, I'm actually almost five hours into a 24-hour podcast marathon, nonstop podcasting, and just having a blast doing it. Uh, some really exciting things have happened uh, since I started this morning. Uh, I talked with uh, Daniel uh, from, uh, Daniel Cushman from our community. I spoke with Father Roderick for an hour from Holland in the, or the Netherlands. I spoke with Wind, Winnie this morning in our community from Belgium. I've talked to Chrissy from Sydney, Australia. I've talked to Anne from Germany. Um, and now... On the phone, I have the blessing of talking with somebody who is no stranger to the About the Church podcast uh, through email feedback, voice feedback, and and just general all overall instigator of great conversation, our good friend, Tess Lowe. Tess, welcome to About the Church. Hi, Cliff. Good to be here. Um, very excited about this opportunity you're giving me, and I promise not to, uh, you know, lead anyone away from God in, in this episode. <laughs> you know, uh, it's funny because we were talking about, you know, the opportunity to have you come on and, and help keep me company during a 24-hour marathon, and, and the fact that, you know, I didn't want to just hang out and talk with people. I, I, I wanted to actually record content, and so we, you had offered an, to to give us an hour of your time, and uh, thank you for that by the way. No worries. And so one of the things that uh, you we had decided that you would actually do a, an, um, a community voice podcast. By the way, it's episode number seven of the community voice podcast. If you want to find out a little bit more about Tess and, uh, you know, just it, it's it was a great interview and I encourage you just to go to gspn.tv. It's under the family category of... Uh, podcast at this point so it's a, it's called the community voice podcast and episode seven was uh, my conversation with uh, Tess but now we are here to discuss the topic of of of, of Christianity and and the church and uh, I know from both the conversations that we've had uh, that have been discussed and played in the show and I also know some things about your past that that we haven't uh, talked about in the show but you and I have ex- had exchanges um, privately and so I'm very eager to have this conversation and to talk to you now you've been listening for a while have you heard all the episodes of about the church I did go back to the beginning and I listened to uh, most of uh, I guess the first 40 or so episodes, I think there may have been a gap in the middle where I didn't listen to them, but I definitely listened to the ones about why I hate the church, which really amused me. Yeah, that well, that one amused me as well, because I was, <laughs> it was, 
it was a crisis moment in my in my life in my faith where I was just really my my it, my faith had been kind of uh, exposed for being very arrogant and and basically uh, self centered and very hypocritical and and I didn't like that about me and what I recognized is that when I tried to change who I was and in the and to live more according to what I really felt Christ wanted me to live like I really found myself struggling uh being involved officially in ministry which basically kind of led me to things that that just propagated this idea of being uh this one certain style of cookie cutter christian and anything outside of that uh you know just isn't acceptable and what I found is that, and in, 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 uh, those who want to go back and listen to it, it was I think it was a six-part series, five-part series called "Why I Hate the Church," and it's actually the lowercase c, which means you know the the institution, the organization, and and, and all that stuff. But what I found, Ooh. what I found, and what I, what I got really sick of is the fact that I found a way where I could be the quote unquote um, perfect. Uh, Christian in any church. I, I I could guarantee you that that I could go and become a member of any church out there today and I can be uh I can say the right things, I can do the right things, I, I can appear in every single way to be the most upright, perfect Christian example for everybody to follow. That people would just like, man, if if there's anybody you want to mimic, it's Cliff Ravenscraft. That's who you want to follow because follow his example. <laughs> this guy's got, and and uh, to be honest with you, I was I was trying to be that, and 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 I was actually the leader of many leaders in our church, and you know what? Inside, I felt like there were so many areas of my life that I was so simply morally bankrupt, and I was so personally in my inner life, I was so anti what God's message was all about that I I felt like I was living a fraud. But it was so easy for me to pull off uh, continuing to do ministry for God without any real connection to God at all. Wow, it should have been that easy for me. My experience was kind of the opposite of that because every time I went to a church, I always found the one reason why I couldn't fit in there and I couldn't be what they needed me to be. And it was it was really frustrating because, you know, I went from the uh, the high Anglican church in the beginning to uh, a fundamentalist evangelical type house church and then back to low a low Anglican church and then, you know, through a whole range of different churches. And I always managed to find something that made me uncomfortable. But I guess when you go around the circles, you go, you then appreciate where you came from. So I found that my, my spiritual experience was the more I moved, um, the more I understood what I appreciated about the place I just left and then took that to the next place that I went to and then took the things that I appreciated there to the next one. And as I've gone on, I've become more able to appreciate all the things in my past. And I think that's been an important part of my spiritual growth has been having having that dissatisfaction and keep carry on moving on. But, you know, my, my real true desire would have been to have been in one church and just been comfortable with it and had a rock-solid faith. But I'm not sure anybody really ever does. 
I not that I'm aware of and and in fact if you if we just simply look into the scriptures themselves and and look into the Bible we recognize the quote unquote um the the people who are the pillars of faith you know Abraham Isaac and 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 look look at King David the the man after God's own heart these people I mean look at Moses these people struggled consistently with their relationship with God. Uh, yes, I can certainly see that's true. And uh, that's kind of reassuring. Um, the, the question comes for me, how do I stay in a place long enough to really become part of that community without finding someone who's being the super spiritual Christian who's trying to mold me into their image uh, rather than just accepting me for who I am and letting me grow at my own pace. Um, that's a real tricky one because you're going to find both types of people everywhere. Um, you're always going to find someone who thinks that you should be the cookie-cutter Christian like, like they've learned to be. I had that right at the beginning when I first became a Christian. I had people who would really lecture me if I deviated from their norm you know, by any, any small amount. Um, uh, and that really kind of shocked me into attempting to conform quite early on. Uh, and it was quite a long time before I realized that uh, I couldn't. And, you know, then it all snapped and I rejected the church for a little bit and then kind of realized I was still entirely enamored with this character called Jesus Christ and had to keep coming back to him, even though what the church has made of him, I kind of really disagree with. But I've met enough kind of really powerful Christian influences in my life that have kept me coming back. You know, the, the guy who I met at college who first showed Christian compassion to me in a real way that was completely shocking to me. Um, when I expected, you know, I'd been really mean to this guy and arguing against him from a position of militant atheism, and he came back with this totally compassionate understanding point of view when I'd expected everyone would just get into this big row and, you know, just have a big argument, as, as you tended to do in kind of intellectual circles in those days. And uh, the, the difference was just so amazing that I just, you know, wanted to know what this guy had. Um, and then I, I remember meeting, um, while I was still at college, I, I met this woman who'd been a missionary in Africa and she'd come back. And uh, she was talking about her experiences and there was none of the kind of aggressive, you must believe what I believe and, you know, we must be anti-homosexual and we must be, we must be strong about the, the, the laws of marriage and anti-abortion. You know, all of that, she may have believed all that, but she was completely absent in her approach to, to ministry, um, which was a huge difference to what I was getting from 90% of the Christian influence out there, which was always kind of this fear of being outside the outside the little safe enclave of what it means to be Christian in that kind of evangelical worldview. So when people did step outside that and really demonstrated compassion, I just found that totally blew me away. And it was so, it was so attractive that it was just more than enough to keep me coming back even though there are all these other things pushing me away from from that and and pushing me towards you know outright atheist humanism type approach to life right right well i, I you know it, it it's it's funny that you should say that because most i i know that you have shared that that you very much respect the way that both dg and i carry ourselves and and that that you find it attractive that we're also very much 
you know, we we have our beliefs. Uh, even DG and I have quite clearly don't agree on everything. Uh, no, I think your your disagreements are, are really are really wonderful because they're so respectful, as you say, and uh, it's really great to hear both of you hearing each other's point of view and kind of moving together to to kind of embrace both sides. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, the way that we all develop in, in, our, in our faith. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and what's amazing, though, is that years ago, I was one of those legalistic uh, Christians. I, I was... No way, Cliff. I can't believe that. Oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I, remember, I remember telling people that, that the reason why maybe they might be experiencing issues in their life was because they weren't praying hard enough or they didn't pray right. enough hours or they are not reading their Bible or, or um, just being so holier than thou that, that you know, looking back, it, it just makes me nauseous to think of, about how horrible at, at doing of being a Christian witness that I ever was. I mean, it's just like, how did God allow me to make such a mockery of, of following him? Well, that's, that's the way that young Christians do tend to share their faith is that it's very kind of deterministic. If you do this, you'll get this. This is what God promises in the Bible that we believe the Bible. Therefore you'll get this if you do this. And I've never seen, you know, in the real world, God has ever worked like that. Of If you do this, you will get this. It's always by grace. So it's always, you get it if you get it, and you don't get it if you don't get it. And, you know, that's the way that God operates. Yeah. And uh, you're, you're called to be, you know, be compassionate and loving regardless of any of that, which is the great challenge, I think, of uh, following Jesus Christ. Absolutely. Now, you know, you said something in, in, we were talking about in the community voice episode number seven, you had shared, you know, the fact that, that you've never been a fan of debt and therefore you, you've, uh, done some things in your life, uh, to, to live debt free. And, and, and I, again, I encourage people to go back and listen to that. But, but in an email that you sent me recently, you had mentioned a, a particular teaching of Jesus that, that has really struck you as something that, that's very difficult to live by. And, and it has to do with money. Can, can you tell folks what that, yeah. what that is? Well, that, that was, uh, uh, it was Matthew chapter six, I think. And it was where Jesus is talking about, um, Behold, the lilies of the field, they do not spin, but look how beautiful they are. I'm paraphrasing here. Um, and look at the swallows in the air, and, you know, they don't make their own food, but God provides it for them. Um, and he's basically giving the message that uh, the pursuit of, of, of money and wealth, um, or mammon as the uh, King James refers to it, um, is wrong and that you should pursue um, God's righteousness. And uh, it just strikes me as peculiar that this teaching is so blatantly disregarded by not only the whole economic world economic community who pursue endless growth at all costs and use debt to do so, um, and debt being just this great trap. Once you, once you take on debt to buy something now, then you're forced to repay it later, which means that you've got to be economically active, which, of course, all governments around the world want you to be, because then once you're earning money, then you're paying taxes and so on. But it's not the way to any kind of contentment. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I could say that that's my experience, but I think that's universal, actually. That's what I claim for a universal truth is that, you know, pursuit of wealth is not the same as the pursuit of contentment right. or happiness. 
So um, I find that Jesus' approach um, is profoundly true and correct and that a spiritual um, approach to life is the way to contentment and not the pursuit of economic uh, growth, which, of course, can't go on forever anyway because there's not, there's not enough energy in the Earth's crust to, to keep sustaining our endless economic growth, um, especially when you've got a country the size of China on the other side of the world who can just hoover up any possible uh, resource that we can pull out of the ground. So at some point it's going to have to grind to a halt. And if your entire economy is based on debt, then you're going to have a whole bunch of people in debt who now can't pay back their debts. And, you know, we've seen a bit of that this year, of yeah. what the what the collapse can be when when that stops being the case. Now, I'm sure we'll recover because we haven't exhausted the world's ability to supply energy and productivity and the, the uh, population still growing. So I guess we'll kind of recover and try it all again because that seems to be the only game in town right now is, you know, if we'll just print more money, give more money to people and they'll spend it and buy more stuff. And you, you almost it's, it is the religion of the world. You buy stuff and you turn it into landfill. And it, it, what shocks me even more is the is the way that um, evangelical Christian movement seems, in in a large part, to be very supportive of that model. Um, the prosperity gospel is always teaching about; uh, it's always very pro business. It's talking about uh, uh, winning God's blessing for yourself, and you know God wants to bless you. So if you work really hard, you'll have all these diamond rings like we have. You know the people on the stage generally have. So I just find that totally, I mean, don't you think that that's opposite to what Jesus was teaching? Absolutely. Absolutely. And in fact, that, that five-part series, uh, for folks who, who don't know, was actually me reading about a book uh, by a man named George Barna who was talking about these people called revolutionaries who, who got tired of the church. And, and, and at this time that I was doing that, that, that series, Why I Hate the Church, um, I was act- I was in the process of considering either I-, I can't remember if I was considering leaving or I was actually leaving, uh, but but it was at the time that I actually ended up leaving the church that we were at prior to this one. One of the sh- you know there there were many things that were 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 building up to this tension that I had and, and this discontent of of just playing the game of Christianity. Uh, I, I wanted a real, genuine faith like the one I felt Christ calling me to, but I, I, I wasn't finding myself being reassured that what I felt God was calling me to do uh, could be done in in any sort of leadership position where I was at. And so um, there, one of the things that finally, you know, I, I, was, I was putting up with so much, but one of the things that finally broke the, you know, was the straw that that when you put it on the camel's back, the the camel just it, it was just horrible. It, it just completely broke, and it was the fact that this church who who already has a multi million dollar campus, and and the head pastor of this church very well thought of. I mean, hardly anybody in the in the community is well revered as as the head pastor of this church. I mean, it literally is a mega church. On on the weekends, they have about seven. 8,000 people in attendance. So it's a big church in our area. 
And and the and from what I understand, the pastor when he first came to town, it was you know we you know as far as I'm concerned, we're I, I I'm a, one of these days I'm going to uh, we're going to get this church out of debt and I'm going to ride off into the sunset into retirement. And mm. and that that was that's what he was that's what his thing was years and years ago. But then right as I started to do this, uh, or just a few months before I did that that series that we've been talking about, um, there was a churchwide campaign of a quote unquote building fund. Now, what they wanted to do, they wanted to raise five million dollars, five million dollars. And here's what they were going to do with that $5 million. This is the vision they had for the church. Number one, they were going to put build um, a $4 million student building so that high school students could hang out together. $4 million for, for a high school student youth building. The, uh, then they were going to put $900,000, almost a million dollars, in sound equipment into a church that already had all the sound equipment you needed. Um, so they were going to completely yank it out and just upgrade it for, for another million. And, and to make things, to type things off, they were going to send $100,000 to Haiti to build an AIDS clinic. Wow. That's uh, that's pretty uh, damning isn't it really <laughs> it, that and then uh when asked about the you know the the statements that was made earlier uh the the pastor said you know a lot of people you know I, when i first came to this church i thought i was going to come here we you know we'd eventually get to the place where this church was out of debt and i'd ride off into the sunset i've now come to the realization that that's never going to happen and and then he went on to explain that we're going to do a church-wide funding campaign uh and what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and step out in faith and we are going to borrow the 5 million dollars from the bank ouch this oh, is dear. this is the same church that has 17 courses going every single year known as Financial Peace University which is helping families in the church go completely debt free it's tough to reconcile, isn't it? It it was it was way too much for me to swallow, and 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 it was like I said, it was it it it's exactly what you're talking about. It's, it's there, I can't even imagine. And 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 the problem it, that I had was that you know it, it it's just it's everything. I mean, it, it it's why why do they feel like we need all of this extravagant stuff? Look at how much we already have, and look how little we're doing effectively outside of this building, outside of these buildings, this campus that we've built. And, and well, you know, th- this is why um, when I look at what Jesus was teaching and I look at how this church or churches like it are behaving, this is kind of why I don't, f- it doesn't matter to me whether even God exists or not. I mean, uh, let's say that frankly. It doesn't. You talk about. You remember that whole bones story about DG, what DG was saying about. You know, would you still be a Christian if they found the bones of Jesus and all that kind of stuff? Would you, if it was absolutely proved to you that Jesus didn't die on the cross and that he wasn't resurrected, uh, would you still be a Christian? 
And of course, I would totally say yes, because of all these things that Jesus was teaching, I totally and utterly believe in is the right way of living. Right. Um, so it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me whether he was resurrected. I mean, that's not why I follow him. I don't follow him because I'm going to get eternal life. I mean, that's not the issue for me. The issue is he's a spiritual teacher who was totally spot on about the way to live your life. And that's why I want to follow him. Of course, it's really hard to follow him in that way in the current world and in the current church because the current church tends to be quite focused on you know the matter of salvation and uh, and not of social action right. and also the world is very focused on economic growth and not in spiritual development so it's very hard to play this kind of narrow you know of being a follower of Jesus the man without necessarily worrying whether or not I mean I'm not saying that I don't believe in God but I don't mind it doesn't change my attitude to jesus whether he is god or he isn't god or whether he was resurrected or wasn't resurrected that's not an issue for me but it is an issue in other people's minds with respect to my faith they say you know you're not a believer and you're not part of our community well some someone and some wouldn't but it's always a kind of hit and miss thing right. and you know it, it does leave me in the situation um of, I mean, I spoke to you about this in my email about about the fact that I do work as an oil trader currently for a hedge fund in the most kind of capitalistic environments you can possibly imagine, um, and that's how I've earned the money that's allowing me to buy a house without debt and then move transition into work that's meaningful. So I almost had to. I, I came to a realization a few years ago that. I couldn't pull away from this, from this uh, monstrosity of a, of a fi- financial system until I'd put my 100% into it and really just seen what I could achieve in it. I mean, there was a kind of addiction to achieving success as well as a desire to earn enough money to retire early so that I could actually have a life rather than just carry on working. So you kind of... But then you feel... Um, conflicted because then Jesus on the other hand is saying well you know give it all away now <laughs> and just follow God and you're going well I'll I'll do that once I'm debt free and once I've bought my house yeah um, which and and so you know I'm as guilty as these churches are for pursuing the financial side more than the God side um, and not through want of, of of not through desire but through just kind of being entrapped by this whole system that conditions you to believe that that's the way that things should be and that's the only way that things could be it's not actually that this is kind of a debatable point anymore it's your goal in life is to be as financially successful as you possibly can be um and if if you want to live outside the system you're either going to have to be outside the law as well as in the case of some of these uh, squatters or people who try and live in woodland in in wooden shacks that they've built um, and, you know, and they get evicted by the bailiffs because they've got no planning permission to be there. Um, and so I'm really supportive of, the, of these people who try and live that way, you know, very lightly on the land, not depending on always growing their economies or growing their personal wealth next year more than they did this year in order to pay back the debts they took out this year. But most of the people who are doing that are kind of a little bit outside of a lot outside of the mainstream of society and a little bit outside the law in many cases. So it's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to, 
to really advocate, even though, you know, I think that Jesus would have totally agreed with them <laughs> if he was around today. Right, right. Well, the, the, I guess the one thing that I, I, I look at is, you know, I, Stephanie and I are currently involved in a church now, and, and we personally feel that, you know, I don't think we're ever going to find a perfect church. The reason why I think that is, is of course, um, you know, the church, the, the definition of the church is basically the called out ones, and and it's and it's the group it, it's a grouping of individual people who who call themselves followers of Christ. It, it, that is the quote unquote Christian church. So so the the church, while it may organize itself and it may ha- be become an institution that's run and 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 things like that. But the the thing is, though, it's still when it comes down to it, it's a bunch of individuals who gather together. And 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 try to carry out the, the work that God's called them and what they feel God has called them and led them to do. And when you Absolutely. bring when you bring those individuals, they're all individuals who are just like you, Tess, and just like me. And um, and the thing is, we all like you said, you you struggle with the with the working and making money from other people's you know participating in in all this stuff but at the same time we're doing it and and sometimes we end up doing things we personally that we go that go against our own principles our own values and we struggle with that lifelong it's it's i've not met a person yet that that lives according to everything they believe and mm. and so i i guess the one thing i would say it's uh, sure, I hate the institution of the church, uh, but I've grown to accept the institution of the church in a way in, in understanding, well, you know what? I'm not perfect either, and I totally screw up so much. I wonder what I can do to build into it, what I can do to make it better, and understand the fact that even in my efforts to make it better, I'm still going to screw some things up. And it all, and, and then it comes back to exactly what you're talking about. It's it's not about what you do or what you don't do. What you know, there's no formula for fixing the church. It's all about grace, right? Absolutely. I mean, I I found that the. I mean, I'm totally with uh, DG actually on the uh, size of the church thing. All my favorite churches have been those where it's on a totally personal scale, where you can really get to know everyone who's involved, or at least the vast majority. So, one of my favorite churches I've ever been part of was one in South London down in a little place called Hackbridge which uh, is a, a church that's rooted in a kind of slight a, a quite poor community but the the people there are all they all accept that they're kind of not perfect I mean clearly even the vicar I'm sure would accept that he's not perfect so uh, everyone there was um accepting of each other completely with no question i mean it wasn't it wasn't that everyone was really spiritually advanced quite the opposite but everyone really accepted everyone else's flaws and just got on with it and because it was relatively small and it was rooted in its local community it was literally in a in a housing estate that you could really um uh, connect with everyone and uh, see everyone's point of view and there was no there was none of that super spiritual, this is how we need to be. There was maybe one one or two people who occasionally came who were like that, and they were so disgusted by the place they left. <laughs> so that's that's kind of my kind of church, and I felt really comfortable there because there was no, there was no, nece- there's no urgency to become a certain kind of perfect person. And it was really just about living 
just just about living, just about living with with the understanding that you're never going to be perfect. Right, right, absolutely. And 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 I think that that you know the the sooner we all come to understand that we you know the you're talking about the principles that that Jesus talked about that that you know look consider the ravens consider the lilies uh it, or the swallows just understand that that God's going to provide quit chasing after after money um it's not that one thing is is that money's not the root of all evil but the the love of it and and the desire to always uh have more you'll you'll just never quench that desire and and, and the uh, one thing God wants us to do is to desire Him more. I mean that that's what Jesus says. He's you know God first. Absolutely. I mean money is not the root of not the so the yeah money as itself is not the root of all evil. It's it's just a medium of exchange. So you know instead of bartering, you barter for something to barter with. Um, so this absolutely it's it's the kind of obsession of growth. That's that's what I always point to. Yeah, it's, it's the, the lust desire for to. More. It's the lust for it's the lust for more, and it's the mechanism by which the world forces you into that mindset yeah. of saying, you know, you can have this now, but then you're going to have to work harder in the future to pay back more than you even borrowed now. Which, of course, you know, it's called usury and is a sin in most religions. But we seem still seem to have built our entire existence around it and uh, and prevented. The worst part is for me that. You can't escape it. It's not like there's a country in the world, really, where you can even go and escape it. Even the communist ones are capitalist now. So, and the communist ones, if they weren't capitalist, were authoritarian and totalitarian and put you in jail if you so much as breathed a word against them. So there's really nowhere in the country, that you, in the world, that you can go to to um, be away from, unless you join a monastery, I guess. That's yeah. about the only thing you can do. And even those are kind of... Uh, um, dependent on financial giving by people who are earning money in the city. Yeah, selling cheese and beer and wine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which, which even in some evangelical churches they would even have issue with. Oh yeah. goodness. Well, well, Tess, you know it's it's been an honor to speak with you all this time, and uh, so glad to get to know you a little bit better. And and I hope that this will only be the first of uh, of of many conversations with you in the in the future and. Thank you so much for being uh, such a valuable part of this community and, and uh, for being a Plus member. It's been awesome, Cliff. Really enjoyed it. This has been a, a dream for me is to uh, participate in your shows. It's been really exciting. Very cool. Well, I, like I said, I can I can be certain that uh, that if you're up for it in the future, uh, maybe, maybe even uh, one day with DG and I, we can bring you in and have some conversation. No, that would be totally awesome. I'd love that. All right. Well, folks, uh, we want to say thank you for uh, for a very special individual out there who is to be uh, to remain anonymous, if you will. Uh, he has uh, quite uh, generously sponsored every episode uh, of the About the Church podcast. And uh, he just asked that we remember to pray for another church out in our community that is not our own. And so uh, thanks again, Tess. Thank you.